You're listening to Fox on the Wire Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 59 of Fox on the Wire. 59, man. 59. We have a very special guest today in the, uh, I guess you call it the podcasting slash music room slash room of escape. And uh, we have Al Gammy. Welcome, Al. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much for having me. Been looking forward to this. Absolutely. We've sort of been trying to hook it up for only a couple of weeks now. Yeah, we I got think there. We, we nailed it pretty quickly, I reckon. Yeah, so happy to have you uh, in person. Yeah, it's nice. Nice, to, nice to get you here and um, big thanks to Looch for basically hooking us up. Yeah, yeah. He, um, well, I go, I go way back with Luch, uh, yeah. obviously from the the tear gas days, and um, and then we're also in another band together, moments apart for a number of years. And I mean, to be honest with you, it's a little bit weird at the moment not being in a band with him because we've yeah. just done it um, for so long. But I, I suppose if you get technical about it, tear gas has never actually really broken up. It's just that we do stuff very rarely like you know every seven years it's kind of yeah. been for a little while so if, it, you know, if an opportunity comes up with a show even now like we'd still probably have to look at it you know there's still a little bit of a fan base for that band out there but yeah. there's just no desire really to to make mm. new music with that band so when i first caught up with luch it was just before the uh initial well before covid hit first uh, time yeah. around so i was like feb 2020 and from memory I think it was tear gas. We were about to we were, play yeah. some shows. Yeah, yeah, we had it all. Uh, yeah. had it all lined up, and it was just before COVID, and um, we, were, we were slated to play Melodic Rock Fest. Um, oh, and I'm not right. sure how familiar you are with the debacle that that was, but um, basically the promoters that organised it uh, didn't really do an amazing job of it, yeah. <laughs> um, to say the least. Uh, all the international acts that they'd booked, there were a number of them that they hadn't paid, so or been able to get visas for, and it was just you know every day you'd be hearing another bands dropped out, dropped out of it, and dropped out of it. And we were one of the first uh, Australian-based bands to drop off it because we just it just didn't feel right for us. You know, mm. the thing was falling apart, and yeah. even though we'd been rehearsing and we were super keen to get in front of our crowd, it had been 2016 was the last time yeah. we'd played, so we were keen to get out there after four years hibernation. Mm. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't going to, wasn't going to fly. Mm. So when was the, what was the date for that gig originally? It was like the first week of March, like, mm. you know, third or fourth or something like that. And the gig went ahead and there were people there, but mm. like the actual lineup had about a fifth of the number of bands that was meant mm. to be there. That's and a only shame. a couple of internationals and not the big names, all the big names had dropped out. So we just mm. decided we don't want to be, you know, lots of people weren't getting their ticket refunds. I think there's still people that haven't got their oh, ticket shit. refunds. So, yeah, it was just one of those things we made a decision as a band that, you know, we're better off just to let's can it and let's book our own show for our own crowd. But then obviously COVID hit and we didn't get right. to do that. Um, and we haven't been able to come back to it yet, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Still pending. Yeah. So in the meantime, you've taken on a bit of a solo uh, solo gig. Um, well, f- we're going to get into all that. But mm. firstly, congratulations on your second single, uh, The Rescue. Thanks, man. Which just dropped, uh, what was it, last about a week ago? Yeah, a week or two ago now, yeah. um, which is great. So 
Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, really proud of that one. It's pretty different to the first single. And, you know, that was always kind of the plan. I wanted a bit of polarity mm. between the first and second um, single that people he- heard. So they get a little bit more of a feel for what the album's going to be about, although there's plenty of curveballs. So it's, it's just really a, a little taste at the moment. But oh. yeah, really happy with how it's been received so far. Uh, it's a little bit probably. You know, not worried, but like I, I kind of thought with the rescue, well, this could go one or two ways. Like it's it's not a it's a longer song. It's you know not as kind of poppy and catchy mm. and upbeat as as beautiful is. So, uh, but you know, people are responding well to it, getting lots of lots of good engagement yeah. on it, and yeah, it's exciting. It just makes me more and more impatient because yeah, I've got this album that's been sitting there. It's done, and you know, like I'm trying to be strategic <laughs> and yeah. follow all the you know all the the guidance that I'm getting to 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 put out a new release, um, and which is like, yeah, stagger it out with singles and, you know, yeah. then just wait. But I just want everyone to hear it because, mm. you know, like you and I are a similar age and, um, you know, I'm an album guy. Yep. I know it's becoming a bit of a lost art form nowadays um, mm. that people tend to just pull a song off this playlist, pull a song off that playlist, um, and that starts to become you know, that's starting to become more the norm, you know, people yeah. just mash together, you know, and, and connect to the songs they connect to. But I like listening to an album start to finish mm-hmm. in the sequencing order that the band wanted you to hear it in. Yeah. Um, I'm a really firm believer in that. Call me old fashioned, but that's yeah, the that's album right. I, I get made. It. I get it. Yeah. That's totally the, get it. That's the, those are the albums I grew up loving. Yep. And still love, um, and that's the kind of album that I wanted to make, where I've put mm. a lot of thought into how I've sequenced it, right. um, and it tells a story, start to finish, and it kind of moves in you know different modes. And that's what I wanted to do. Okay, so have you got a release date for the album? Or uh, can you not? It, it kind of keeps moving. To be honest, oh, okay. with you. no, it's not that I can't share it. Like <laughs> yeah. it, the plan was to be the last week in July, right. um, which I hope will still go to plan, but. I might squeeze in another single before that, and it just depends yeah. when the video gets done. So we're do- okay. I'm shooting a video in a couple of weeks for another single, yep. um, and then I'm I'm not sure whether I'll put out three or four singles before the album comes out. So mm. um, yeah, not quite sure. I might push it into August if I have to, but I also need to start uh, thinking about a launch and getting out and, yeah. and gigging because I've got to get it in front of people. Mm-hmm. Like right now, it's great that people are listening to it on Spotify and uh, they're engaging with me on. On social media and and that's that's awesome i'm getting lots yeah. of beautiful comments and messages every day yep um but i want to get in front of people you know yeah. again I'm, I'm old school like that you know i know with covid it, it, it might prove difficult to do so but i think playing you know a folk style and playing something where i can literally just go out there by myself and with an acoustic guitar yeah. and play the whole album and it'll sound all right yep um but by the same token uh, my plan is to get you know one or two musos around me mm. um you know just to kind of give it a little bit more um depth and um color more of a kickoff to the world. I think so. Yeah. yeah, nothing too major, but it'd be nice just to have like a, yeah. you know, maybe a second guitarist and a bass player that can kind of do a bit of both. Mm. And you know, uh, a violinist um, is going to be pretty important because there's a lot of that on the album. Yep. Um, and yeah, and someone else that can sing because uh, yeah, there's a fair bit of extra backing vocals on there. Yeah, I was just going to say you had a guest vocalist on the latest single, "The Rescue." Yeah, Alyssa. 
Yeah, um, Alyssa Aegis. Aegis. I, yeah. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> that's I, why I, I left it to you. Yeah, I don't want to stuff it up. <laughs> I, I'm married to a Maltese, and that's a Maltese surname. Uh, She's not Maltese, I don't believe, but her husband, I think, is. Right. Um, and so I said it like Aegis the other day in front of my like my in-laws, yeah. and they corrected me. And they oh. said something else, but I can't remember. Exactly. It's like Ajus or something like that. I can't remember exactly what they said, but they corrected me, so I am saying it wrong. Well, so sorry, I'll- Alyssa and Daniel. <laughs> I would have said- uh, Aegeus in my Australian I, accent, but it's probably not. I think it's, it's Agus or something like that. Yeah. I'm going to have to hit up um, <laughs> Alyssa and Daniel afterwards and one, apologise for mispronouncing yeah, the surname. Me too, I apologise. Yeah, and to, uh, <laughs> to get the correct pronunciation. But yeah, my Maltese family will, I'm sure, correct me again and again until I get it right. Okay, cool. Well, we're both in the same boat, so we can, we yeah, can yeah. share the blame there. That's it. So your first single as a as a solo guy was uh, beautiful, which you released a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. That was yeah, like it's nearly two months. I think it's about just bang on two months ago yeah. now. Um, yep. Yeah, which was the first one from from the album. Uh, that was exciting. You know, it's it's still like you know if I I mean I don't like to pick favorites, but like if push came to shove and I had to pick what I think was you know my favorite song in the album, that's got to be it. You okay. know, it's um. It was it was the easiest one to write as far as it just it just flowed out of me. You know how sometimes, yeah. and you know this because you write music yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you, uh, yeah, like a song, you'll really labor over it, and it'll take a oh, while, yeah. and you come back to it, and you might park it for a couple of months, and come back, and yep. you know, completely change something, and you pick at it away at it. Um, this wasn't one of those songs. Like I, it really just I sat down once, and I kind of mapped out. The chord progression. Yeah. Um, the only difference is, I think when I first wrote it, it was in a slightly higher key. Okay. Um, and it was just sounding a bit more, bit more rock and roll, hard rock. So, like, I dropped it down a bit to get some of those lower um, tones out of my voice. And yeah, like, I'm really happy with that. It's a not a, not a hard song for people to like. And after years of like playing hard rock and heavy metal and having my, you know, my family members, like my mother and aunties and uncles <laughs> and grandmother even, like, you know, being polite and saying, oh, yeah, Al, it sounds really good, you know, but you can tell that it's not really their jam. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but with this, like, this is the kind of music that I think just about anyone can listen to. They mm. might not love it, but, like, it's not going to it's not gonna give them an ear bashing like, you know, <laughs> some of my previous bands. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say because- um I know when I f- first started releasing solo stuff, people were like, what the hell is this? What are you doing? You know, yeah. turn away from the hard rock stuff. Yeah. So, how did, how did you feel when you were releasing it? And what did your normal sort of people who have been following you, how did they react? Like, did they think you'd lost your mind or did they enjoy the change? Mostly they've enjoyed it, I think, mm. you know. Um, I mean, there's some that, that it's not for them, you know. Yeah. They prefer, like, the big guitars and, and all that sort of stuff. And that's cool. Like, But for the most part, everyone's been really into it. Yeah. Because um, I think if you strip it away, like, even when I was in metal bands, I was always a singer. Yeah. You know, like, there's a lot of extreme metal and metalcore and that sort of thing that's going yeah. around where, you know, you've got screaming vocals or death growls and that sort of thing. Yeah. I've never been that kind of singer, even when I was playing the heaviest stuff that I've played, like, in my last band, To An End. Yeah. Um, you know, I was still, like, it was still tuneful and, you know, yeah. yes, it was louder and more powerful and that sort of thing, but- yeah, I've always been a singer-singer because mm. I grew up listening to singers. Mm. You know, I didn't grow up listening to Death Growlers. Mm. You know, like, I like some of those bands. Yeah. But, like, for me, that's, you know, that's not like listening to Robert Plant or, like, 
Ian Gillen from Deep Purple in yeah. the early 70s and Paul Rogers from Free and Bad Company. That's all the stuff that my dad raised me on. And yeah. to me, that's singing and that's the earliest stuff that made me want to be a singer. So, so you probably had had always had these sort of songs in you. It was just the right time and yeah. um, just the right thing to do at this time. And um, yeah, I totally get that. And it's probably not a big change for people. Just tone down guitars, drums mm. probably aren't as loud and you just... It's it really what yeah, different approach to the songwriting. I think you're right, and yeah. like because because you you know you write music in this style as well, and like I think um, yeah, it's it, my approach to the songwriting. It was a little different in mm. that I was drawing from a different batch of influences, uh, and I and I had a I had a color palette, mm. you know, that I knew I wanted what I wanted this album to sound like, and I wanted it to be like very green. Very woody, and I loved that I wanted it to be green because I'm colorblind. Yeah, right. And uh, and green's the color that I struggle with the most, red green. Um, and so I found it really ironic, and I loved the irony in it. But I just see like fields of green, but like dark green, you know, like autumn leaves falling, and you know, like like those are all that like the the images that were in my head when I started writing these songs. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted it to sound wood, like wood, right? And like a bunch of guys sitting around a campfire. So the kind of music that a bunch of guys could sit around a campfire mm. and pull out some acoustic instruments and play. Uh, so I didn't want to get too carried away with, you know, like lots of extra production value and electric yeah. instruments. There's a little bit of that on yeah. there, but like, you know, it, most songs you could imagine people just sitting around a campfire and playing them and singing out loud. And you got the perfect guitar for that sort of sound, yeah, the good old Mason, a fellow Mason player. Except you're a lefty. I am a lefty. I'm a southpaw. <laughs> proud one at that. But it's uh, been a very difficult life as a left-handed guitarist, let me tell you. Yeah, well, you can't just walk into a guitar store and pluck one off the wall unless oh, you want to play you know, a $300 Squire copy. Well, silly me. You know, We were talking today about hooking up tonight um, and you asked me if you should bring your guitar. I'm like, oh... You know, I've got guitars lying you around. You've got guitars <laughs> coming out of your a-hole, man. They're in different tunings, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll work something out. And yeah. then you go, oh, I'm a lefty. I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, I knew that. I can actually play like a little bit, like possibly with an upside down right-handed guitar because I'm so used to picking up right-handed dude guitars my whole life. And my yeah. dad's a right-handed guitarist. And okay. so I actually kind of, the, I first played on a right-handed guitar that was upside down. You yeah. know, the first time I learned a bar chord, yeah. you know, and, and even the open chords was all like upside down like that. And then, you know, dad's like, oh, we should probably get your left-handed guitar. Yeah. And then when I did, that's when my playing sort of started to get okay. a bit more serious. So, yeah. so what do you reckon happened? Why, why are you a lefty? Um, <laughs> well, I'm left-handed at everything that I do. Oh, so like when okay. I played footy as a junior, I kicked a footy with my left foot. I write with my left hand. I do everything left-handed. So Makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not ambidextrous at all. I'm absolutely oh. woeful with anything with my right hand or on the right side of my body. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought it because it's a beautiful guitar and um, sort of been comparing guitars you know but yeah um, you got you've got some incredible ones i'm really loving this 808 on the wall next to me yeah the black blackwood yeah Yeah. full body i want to get one of those one day yeah yeah i had to wait a little while for that when i was sort of shopping for one i think they'd run out of the wood or something so i did have to wait a little while for it and then one came in at echo tony rang me up and i didn't have the money for it yeah but i pulled the money together and went and got it because i been waiting for oh, it, it's so worth every every penny. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think uh, Maitens, you know, and not just because they're Australian made and you know, mm. Melbourne made, but, um, 
but you know, like at, at the price point, uh, yeah. they come in, you know, like sounding like you could you could get a Martin that's you know that's six seven grand yeah. that you know a, a three grand Martin will sound just as good as I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've actually been shopping for an electric guitar hey. today, as recent as today, actually, because nice. um, getting an old band back together. Plus, oh, I need cool. a different sound for some of the acoustic tracks I'm working yeah, yeah. on, just the you know the overdub stuff. And sure, I haven't really brought an electric guitar since I was in my probably early twenties. Oh right, it's a long time. So, then. Yeah, uh, and I've been really fussy about what I'm sort of looking for this time around. So. You know, I've been to the, a few different guitar shops a few times and tried a few, and I just can't can't find one. But I think I've I've settled on a um, on a tally. Oh, tally nice. I got one myself. Yeah. Right? it's my favourite electric that I own. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, I, I, back in the day, I never would have thought I'd I'd pick something like that, but it's for a different reason. And I are you going with the single coils, or is it one that's got humbucker? Well, that's where I got stuck today because I, I'd picked one out, like a, a nice sunburst one yep. again. And I had the two humbuckers because yeah. I didn't want to get too far away from what I was used to with humbuckers. Yeah, of course. But then I played it today and I'm like, oh, you know, it doesn't really sound- Like a like, tally. Like a tally. Yeah. <laughs> and it probably sounds too similar to what I've already got with the Les Paul and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I put it back and I rang a friend of mine who works at a music shop and she's got something similar, but they're single coils. So, I'll hopefully- Depending what happens with the lockdown in the next few yeah. days, go and pick up the single coil one from her. That's cool. I think, yeah, so, if you've got a Les Paul, yeah. man, that's going to cover every humbucker need you've ever got. Like Absolutely. a Les Paul will do all of that. Yep. And it, it's such a versatile guitar, like, you know, for anything, you know, you can play yeah. like blues to, you know, it's a really heavy metal on it. Which it is what I amazing. did. Yeah, I did exactly. For years, you can so. play everything on a Les Paul and they're yeah. great. Um, Whereas, you know, if you want that point of difference and those options, yep. um, a telly is great. My telly, the reason why I love it so much, it's like a, it's almost like a strat telly mutant. So, mm-hmm. um, there's an extra pickup in the middle. So, okay. it's kind of, and it's got a five-way pickup selector switch. So, yep. I can basically split all those coils. So, I've got all the same sounds that a telly does mm-hmm. and then all the same sounds that a strat does. Right. Yeah, and it's nice. um, it's nice. So, like, I mean, for recording options, there's not a great deal of electric guitar in my album, yep. but um, the stuff that has, you know, electric guitars, it's, you know, 80% of it's my, my that Telecaster, and sometimes it sounds like a Strat. You would have thought I'd be using a Strat. Mm, yeah. Nice, yeah. Just looking for something a bit more versatile, and I thought, you know, Tally, I guess they're pretty popular, and, mm. you know, they can be used for a wide variety of things, and what I'm doing at the moment, I kind of need something a bit more jangly, I think. Yeah, nice. Um, but the Les Pauls kept me going for probably 20 years. Uh, and like, it's, I it's wish I owned one, I don't. Like, that'll yeah. def- next time I'm not really looking at buying any more electrics. I've got, I got plenty, but yep. uh, one day I definitely want a, like a gold top Les Paul. That's oh, just always nice. been in the back of my mind. Yeah. But I've got my 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 PRS um, kind of, if I need a, a Les Paul-ish tone, Yep. Kind of does that. So, if yeah, I yeah, they're that, nice actually. Yeah, beautiful. Like, that's mm. you know, that's what I used when I was playing in Moments Apart. And yeah, it's got a big, beefy sound, you know, double humbucker. Mm. Um, so yeah, I can cover off those tones if I need it, you know, nice. something quite different to the telly. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I've always appreciated, you know, um, artists that do that sort of hard rock thing or even metal, but can also strip it back to acoustic, you know. 
I guess Chris Cornell for me was was the man. Oh yeah, you know he had the best of both worlds. So he could actually do anything. That yeah. guy. like he, there's, no, there's nothing he wouldn't have been able to sing. Like yep. it's just unbelievable. Anything better than anyone? And yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Obviously, someone to look up to, but mm. definitely appreciated the Soundgarden stuff. And you know when he sat down with an acoustic guitar, so that was a big and still is a big thing for me. So and I kind of see that. Same thing for you. Yeah, yeah thanks. It's just um, it's, um, it's it's like to me, it was really about look. What am I? What am I trying to achieve here? Do I want you know the big guitars to be the focus? And like, let's face it, like we we both love you know hard rock and yeah. and heavy metal as well. But um, you know, the guitars are the the main thing. Yep. You know, like sure, you've got some great hard rock and heavy metal vocalists, but you know that style of music's all about the guitars and they're mm-hmm. loud and they're you know you got one pan in the left speaker, one pan in the right. Yeah. That's a wall yeah. of sound. And I love that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I really wanted this record that I've made to be about the stories, about the songs yeah. and um, about the vocal um, primarily, you know, and then the instrumentation is just there to support that. And mm. I feel like um, to be able to have those stories resonate and to have them connect with more people and a broader audience, um, you know, I thought that delivering them in a stripped back intimate way, as yeah. intimate as I could possibly make these songs, mm. um, without it being too, you know, samey. Like if you just have one yeah. acoustic guitar and a vocal throughout a 10 song album, mm. it can start to get a little bit samey. So there's definitely variation on there, but I just felt like stripping it right back to acoustic instruments allows that vocal to kind of take center stage and allows yeah. the stories to really be heard. So every word that I sing, you know, I don't want people to be thinking, oh, what is he actually singing there? Mm. You know, I want, I don't want people to have to go to the lyrics. Like they should be able to understand what I'm saying. Mm. Um, and same with like slowing down the tempo of songs as well, yeah. you know, and really giving it space. And even now, like listening to the album, there's still a couple of songs where I'm like, probably could have slowed it down a bit more <laughs> yeah. if, if I'm honest. Like, yeah. and I think that's just speaking to a lot of guys that have come from like a, a hard rock background or a punk rock background and then they do acoustic stuff. Mm. They say the same thing. Mm. You just got that mentality of playing rock bands, <laughs> they make it faster, faster. And yeah. It's hard to slow down and think that you're still going to sound good. Well, the faster you play it, the more verses you can fit into yeah, the song. That's, that's, sort of <laughs> that's why punk songs are, you know, yeah. like two minutes and, yeah. and that sort of thing. And, you know, I love I love old school punk as well. And so, like, it's, um, you know, I can appreciate the art of a two-minute mm. punk song. But, um, yeah, and look, most of the songs on this album are pretty short. You know, they all yeah. come in around three and a half minutes. There's a couple sure. that go over four minutes, but, you know, not that many. I tried to keep it short and sharp. Okay. So, have you played uh, solo acoustic shows before? Have you ever done that? I've done a few, yeah, yeah, yeah. over the years, um, just as kind of one-offs. Yeah. So, I've never like intentionally said, right, I'm going to go out and start playing mm. um, solo acoustic shows. But I, I've done them sort of as a bit of a byproduct uh, of, you know, my, my past in, in other bands. So, I've gone out and played a set that has, you know, like, a bunch of tear gas songs, a couple of moments apart songs and, uh, you know, maybe a few covers and that sort of thing. I've, d- I've done that, yeah, like a, a number of times over the years, but yeah. always there's just kind of one-offs. Whereas this will be when I get out there, hopefully pretty soon, yeah. this will be the first time where I've actually got an album that's in this style that I'll go out and play. And sure, like I'll chuck in, you know, a tear gas song or two yeah. if people want to hear it. If there's people there that used to come and watch me, in those days, there's some of those songs that translate really well okay. into this style. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd always be keen to throw one or two of those in there to keep people happy. It's all good. Keep those uh, 
those people yelling out in the crowd. Yeah. Play tear gas. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, I'm definitely going to get it. So, yeah. like, I've got to get in front of it. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm really proud of that band and I still like playing those songs. You mm. know, like, a lot of them I wrote when I was, like, really young, like, 17, 18 mm. years old. Wow. But, yeah, but they're still, like, people still ask to hear them. Yeah. Which is awesome. So, like, I'm, I'm not going to be... It really annoys me, like, he's. I think he's getting a bit better these days, but, like, Billy Corgan, and I grew up a massive Smashing Pumpkins fan, yeah. so I, mean, I love, you know, like, Siamese Dream is one of my favourite albums, like, they're a great band, but, um, you know, he, he always sort of treated the fans, I think, a little bit disrespectfully in saying, if you come and see Smashing Pumpkins, I'm going to play what I want to play, yeah. and I'm not here to do you favours and be a jukebox and play greatest hits, but I, I think... You know, like I, I can sort of see where he's coming from, mm. that he wants to play what's, you know, what's stoking his fire. Yeah. But if people are paying their hard earned and taking the time to like come in and, and see you, you know, you got to give them a bit of what they want. Yeah. I know there was a few, I know probably Silverchair and Nirvana did, yeah, you same, know, like with things. Teen Spirit. Totally. And, and Tomorrow. I mean, Daniel Johns probably Silverchair. in general now. You know. Silverchair to like a massive degree. like. Yeah. And, and that's a bummer. Like, mm. I, I fell out of love with that band a long time ago. Like, you know, not just for that reason. Like, I, I just, you know, pretty much like after you know, when Diorama came out, I didn't really connect with that album. And then the one after it, what I heard of it wasn't really for me. Um, yep. You know, but I loved the first three albums when I was a teenager. And mm. um, yeah, it was always a bit of shame, a bit of a shame that like he, you know, they played a few songs from that era, but like, yeah, they basically completely ignore yeah. Frog Stomp. Um, yep. And I get it. You know, you don't want to play the shit that you wrote when you're 15 forever. Mm. Um, you know, like there are songs I wrote when I was 15. And I think, oh, God, would I want to go out and play those? Yeah. But would it hurt you to do it if you knew that there were people in the, in the crowd that was going to absolutely make their night? Yeah, I know. You know I, w- I would want to give people – I mean, I'm a, I'm a people pleaser by nature. Like, that's just who I am. Like, I, I, would, I wouldn't want anyone to walk away – feeling unsatisfied mm. you know yeah it's a fine line i mean i was listening to a podcast the other day where they just they basically play through albums it's called the grunge and they played through uh freak show yeah silver chairs freak show yeah. i mean i think they'd heard it before it might have been a while and i think they got to like the fourth or fifth song like no association mm. and they just made a comment he goes love the music you know what's letting this album down so far is the lyrics mm. You know, um, so I think that could be partly why Daniel John's juvenile, yeah, and he can't he very connect young. with it, yeah, and maybe he's just. I mean, he. I think he'll maybe come back around. I have a feeling like one day they maybe. will. That one day they'll do some big reunion mm. thing, and yeah, you know, it'll be huge, and everyone will want to see it, and they might actually decide. Look, we're going to actually come out and play songs, more songs off the first couple of albums. Yeah. Yeah, I think he just got a bit embarrassed about it, maybe. Maybe. I'd, I'd be there if they did that, like, yeah. in a heartbeat. I haven't seen them live in, like, probably 20 years or something, yeah. you know, but, like, I'd I'd 100% go back if they were going to play songs off the first two albums. I think part of that, like, if I can tap into his artist mind, like, he was still really pushing his music forward. Like, he was still really looking forward to what he could keep creating. So I think mm. maybe he felt that was sort of dragging him back to his past maybe. a little bit and sort of cut off his forward creative brain a little bit maybe yeah maybe i don't know yeah no i think i think you're definitely yeah. onto something there and i can i can relate to that to a yeah. degree like you know uh, it doesn't particularly excite me like of the thought of like going and making another tear gas album 
you know, like um, I'm proud of the music we made and I, and if there's a live show and there are going to be people there that want to hear it, absolutely, mm. like sign me up, I'll do it anytime. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to, to sit and like put all the work that's required into writing and recording and promoting a new album in that style, mm. I don't have any interest in doing it at yeah. the moment. But yeah. you will again maybe. when the time's right, probably. Yeah, maybe. Or something different yeah. that's just a bit more electric. I feel like I'll definitely go back to yeah. making stuff that's a bit more electric sounding at some stage. But, mm. you know, it could be just something completely new again, you yeah. know, like um, who knows. Yeah, with the acoustic stuff, I found it was just there was a lot more room to paint the picture totally. like in the recording. Like the, the I yes. guess the palette, as you yep. sort of said, is – a lot more open mm-hmm. doesn't mean you stopped loving your rock and metal nah. and stuff, you know. But I think maybe, dare I say, there's only so much you can fit into the two speakers with a rock band. But yeah, the acoustic stuff, it's you can pull space, things man. out. There's yeah. so much space. Yeah. It's, um, and that's what sort of that's a big thing that got me, and still has got me. Yeah, it's it's a, yeah. it's a really vast um, sonic field. Yeah, that. And and you're picking instruments that are going to mm-hmm. um, th- that are going to fill certain sonic spaces. Yeah. And so I was I was definitely thinking like that more than I was when I was making hard rock music. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking right, so something needs to sit in this kind of space. So like it really needs something like like beautiful. The first single, mm-hmm. it was pretty much done. I felt it was done. Um, and then like eleventh hour, like right before it was about to be mixed, I'm like. Something's missing, you know, like just just kind of sitting on top of the guitars, and I'm like, it needs a mandolin, it needs mm. a mandolin. I've got a mandolin on some other songs on the album, and I already had those done in the can. But um, I was like, beautiful needs a mandolin. Yeah. So you know, like we we got one on there real quick, and you know, I just like said, hold off, I'm mixing. I'm gonna get a mandolin track on this. Sweet. And I tell you what, as soon as I dropped it in, yeah. like it's just yeah, that was the missing piece. Well, and it was good before, but it was just so much better having that because there was a gap in that sonic space where it just yeah. needed something a little that plucky sort of brightness that just kind of gives it that mm-hmm. sparkle that's yeah. sitting on top because it didn't have as much of that sparkle. Yeah, it's a nice addition. I could hear something there. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if it was a mandolin. Did you play it? No, I oh. can't play mandolin. Okay. Yeah, um, I want. That's one of my little things I want to do before the next record. Yeah, is is learn it. Yeah. Um, but I got to find myself a left-handed one. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or restring a righty. And, yeah. and just if anyone knows where you can get one, hit us up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I, I don't think there's that many out there. But um, yeah. but yeah, I um, I I worked with a lot of different musicians on on the album and um I was using like air gigs which I'm not sure if you're familiar with. Nice. So it's basically like air tasker okay. but it's for musicians and it's worldwide and so musicians will post their services. So if you're a mandolin player, um you say, you know, my name's Jeffrey, I'm a mandolin player, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, here's some sample tracks of my work and my playing and you can have a listen. These are my prices like per song. It's a hundred US dollars or 150 US dollars or whatever. Um, and you can just go like search whatever instrument you want and you can listen to samples until you find something that's like what, what you're after. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, so that's how I I found most people that I worked with on the album, to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay. No, I've never heard of that. That's, um. It's worth I, keeping in I mind. I guess it makes sense because yeah. you don't have, actually have to get someone physically no. in the studio these days. I, the only person that played on the record that I've actually met in person is, <laughs> is Alyssa. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, like everyone else was like 
in other countries, basically. And we've yeah. still got her name wrong. Yeah, we yeah, it's her name. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. So, what sort of oh, where across the globe did you reach Nashville? Nashville, yeah, a few guys yeah. in Nashville. You know, like that's like definitely a place that you go for musicians. Yeah. You know, and and the standard. You know, there's a guy that did some banjo for me and some um some uh, pedal steel. Oh yeah. Um and man, like yeah, it's amazing playing. You know, it just really kind of brought other elements to the tracks that yeah. I couldn't have done on my own. Um, you know, I really laid the foundations and, you know, did all the bass and guitars yeah. myself and, um, you know, some of the drums I did myself, but then got some extra percussion done um, by a guy uh, over in the US as well. I can't remember what city he was in. Mm. But, you know, some guys in the UK. Um, There's a girl uh, um, in Ireland that sung backing vocals on one of the tracks. Wow. So, yeah, it was, um, again, it was a really, it was a group effort. It mm. and the answer, but there's an accordion on there. Yeah. Um, I was, re- I really had the, uh, I guess, the, the the desire to keep it to generally folk instrumentation, um, so that you know there are acoustic instruments like an accordion, mandolin, mm. um, a lot of fiddle, banjo, that sort of stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, like I, I was able to have a really diverse color palette, as we've said. Wow. That's interesting. That's a good way to sort of make some connections, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I went back to a lot of the same people because yeah. they did such a good job on the first track I sent them. Yeah. But then on the inverse of that, there are, there are a couple of instances where it wasn't quite what I wanted, mm. um, you know, and I maybe didn't even know it at the time until I heard someone else do a track that was better. Oh, and right. so then I decided that, look, you know, I might have lost a hundred bucks here, but I'd rather get this guy to now replace that track because it's kind of more what I'm thinking. Definitely yeah. with the fiddle. Once I found my fiddle player, um, yeah, he was just dynamite. This mm. guy, Bobby, um, plays like a beast. But mm. the first fiddle player that I found did, did a track for me, wasn't too stoked about it, so ended up replacing it. Mm. So what's the deal with, with payment, whether you use that track or not? You got to pay them. Yeah, like basically. if you've accepted the job and you signed yeah. off, I mean, they they generally will allow revisions. So you know, oh. there are a few instances where like we've done a couple of revisions to kind of get there. Mm-hmm. In the end, you know, it was very like you know, half of them probably nailed it like first take or second take, but there's a few that maybe three or four times until we got it. Mm. Um, and then you pay when you're happy. Mm. But with that one, I didn't actually realize that I was I was not happy with it until I heard. Bobby is playing on the next track. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I need Bobby to play on this other track. He's so much better. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Is that a... I've never heard of it, actually. Did- you got to check it out yeah. if you're making a record. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, obviously, the studio time this time around with your solo stuff would have been quite different than back in the day with the other bands. Yeah. Um, if it was like my time in the bands, you know, we all get in there and have to drag some people more than others. Yep. And uh, I've been there. Did you enjoy this process? Um, I-, I won't say more so than the old days. Like that had the charm to it, obviously. Yeah. But- I, I did, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I enjoyed it in a way. Like it, it, it wasn't easy mm. and I was learning about not just – putting my songs down, but also about production. Mm. So like I'm I'm not ama- amazing at production and things. I mean, like I can arrange songs well and I feel like I know what instruments need to go where and what notes need to be played where and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, like mic placement and mm. what mics to use and uh, compression and EQ and all that stuff, I was learning it. 
Yeah. Knew a little bit about it, but I was really kind of figuring it out as I went along. Um, and I was getting some really good advice from Chris the Melko, who mixed the album. Um, really good friend of mine. I've worked with him in the past. And, you know, he was giving me like good coaching and he was always available if I had a question about, hey, is this too much compression? Or like, <laughs> what do I do to fix this problem? And he yeah. was always available and he taught me a lot. Um, and now in the future, probably not my next one, but like at some stage, I feel like I could almost like mm. mix one myself, you know, in the future. So we'll see. But yeah. I liked, I liked the solitude of it. Um, and I, I did it during like lockdown, a lot of it during lockdown and then mm. over Christmas and stuff. Um, and, uh, if I'm honest, I had a really rough year last year, yeah. uh, with lockdown, um, we lost our wedding, uh, you know, the week of it, um, we had to cancel everything and, um, you know, there's, and my fiance at the time, now my wife, uh, she lost a job and, um, I was still working, but you know, m- mental health was definitely mm. not where it normally was and I was really struggling with the isolation and not being around people and having to work remotely rather than in the office and mm. not being able to socialize and that sort of thing. I was I was really, really starting to slip and um the time was cathartic in a way that it gave me a focus so that at the end of the work day I wasn't just, mm. you know, pouring a whiskey and then mm. pouring another one and another one and just yep. kind of like falling asleep on the couch like with you know, that's no life, you know. Yeah. So I decided that, you know, when the inspiration struck, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to up, update my little home studio and I'm going to make an album. I'm going to yeah. use this time effectively. And I just like picked up the acoustic guitar and I wrote and I wrote and yeah. started putting stuff down and kept picking away at it over, you know, like a good six months. And yeah, and now I've got this record. And was that sort of the first time you'd written in a little while? Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, yeah I hadn't written in, since the, we did the To An End um, album, uh, you know, which we were writing that for years. Like, you know, I think we were recorded most of it in 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some of those demos that I'd sung on and written the songs were like a couple of years prior to when we mm-hmm. recorded the album. Um, and in that band, I was only writing the vocal melodies and lyrics. Mm-hmm. I wasn't writing any music. Um and we did two one-off uh, tear gas singles a few years ago as well, and I so I wrote those songs. But I, I love those songs. But it was a very deliberate exercise, like that. Mm. I'm going to create songs that sound like old tear gas, mm. and it was uh, like I don't want to use the word contrived because you know, like there was integrity in those songs. Um, but yeah, like these songs that I've written, they're not contrived in any way. This is just actually what it sounded like when I picked up a guitar and started mucking around and then started coming up with themes that I wanted to write about and lyrics and, um, you know, and, and tones and things like that, that I wanted to use. And it's all what really kind of felt natural. Mm. Can you, I don't want to get too far away from Mm. the the making of the album, but you sort of said about the, the two singles that kind of seemed a bit too deliberate maybe mm. can you imagine like you know you've you've done a few albums with a, with a popular band would it be hard to cr- keep creating new music sort of naturally do you know what i mean i think like it would you'd be very you'd be very critical i'd imagine especially if you've had successful i agree albums and you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to lose your place at the top of the perch you know yeah. if you- and over a period of years yeah. too like it would just and that's why, like, you know, a lot of people slam, you know, bands that don't, like, grow and change. You know, like, yeah. you look like an, an ACDC or something like that. But by the same token, like, 
you know, if they've got a formula that works and people are loving it, I get it. If, if that's what gives them enjoyment out of their create, creating their music, I get that. Like, because they've got an audience, they've got a job, they've got a lot of stakeholders that are taking, you know, an interest, a vested interest yeah. in, in their band being successful. And that's so what if people Ace, want from them. That's right. So, if ACDC went out and made a folk album- Can you like, imagine? No one would be into it. Yeah. like <laughs> I'd the, love to hear it. Oh, so would I. Yeah. What the hell? I'm pretty sure you'd be screaming for. I think Brian Johnson uh, singing folk uh, can't quite. I think Bon Scott could have done it because yeah. he, you know, he could. Like, I'm a, like, I'm not a huge ACDC fan, but like, if yep. I'm gonna listen to ACDC, I'm Bon Scott all the way. Okay, I love those early albums because he could really sing. Whereas I think Brian Johnson's just he's scream. I mean, he's great at what he does, but he's just screaming constantly in the same time. Whereas Bon Scott had like a bit of that, that swagger and, mm. you know, a bit of a smirk to what he was singing. And I always liked that. Yeah. I think I was more of a Brian Johnson guy. Yeah. That's cool. I think that's just what I got into first. Yeah. And not that I don't like the, you know, Bon Scott era. It's a totally different thing, yeah, it's but different. Yeah. I kind of appreciate the fact that Brian Johnson can still freaking sing like that. He's what wouldn't is he, be like easy. 72 or something. Yeah, it wouldn't be easy what to go hell, out there man? every night. Oh, geez. Physically, it's demanding. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even when I was into an end, like, toward, like towards the end of my time in that band, when I decided, you know, I was starting to make up in my mind that I don't really want to do this for very much yeah. longer. Like, the shows were actually really physically demanding um, on my body. Like, my throat would just be destroyed at the mm. end of it. Um, and, yeah, like, it, it's... Like this is the music I'm doing now is music that I see myself being able to grow old with. Yep. And I'm getting older. And so, you know, this is definitely We're still young, mate. Don't Yeah. <laughs> We're still young, but getting older. Yeah, and yeah. I mean the themes on this album is, you know, like and part of the reason why I had such a rough year last year mm. is and you know, like I said before, you and I are the same age. So like yep. um Young. We're still young. Young. That's right. <laughs> But you sort of like you got one foot in in youth, yeah, and you got one foot in being old, mm-hmm. um, and we're neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Really, we're in this weird middle spot that nobody talks about. Everyone talks about youth, celebrating youth, and you know, like oh, the youth of the future. And and I'm I'm totally for that. I've got so much faith in young people today. Mm-hmm. I've worked with incredible young people on my video, and yeah. um, you know, I was just. Like I, I talk about it so much because I was just so impressed with their, their entrepreneurialism and how like serious they are about their artistry and their ideas. And mm. I, I love what young people are coming up with these days. Um, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people celebrate that. And then a lot of people celebrate the, you know, the older people as well. It's like they've been around the block. They've seen things happen. They've experienced, they've lived. But people that are in their mid-30s, mm. it's this weird in-between. And if you haven't already got your shit together as far as yeah. what the blueprint tells you to do, like have kids, buy a house, you know, do what's expected of you, do what everyone else is doing, mm. you know, that's not necessarily for everyone. Um, and if that is for you, and like, and I know lots of people that all they wanted to do is settle down and have kids and they've done it and they're super happy and yeah. I'm super happy for them. I think it's wonderful. Um, you know, myself personally, I was, you know, having like probably a bit of an existential crisis in a way that I was, you know, like getting about to get married and, you know, faced with the prospect of a family, you know, in my future pretty soon, but, and then accepting that there were going to be certain aspects of my youth mm. that I was going to have to leave behind and say goodbye to, but I was really clinging to it, mm. you know, and I, and I didn't want to let it go. And a lot of the songs on this album is really 
you know, not literally from that, but it's like the themes and the the lens that I was seeing things through when I was writing those lyrics. It's really seeing it through my younger eyes mm. um, and really lamenting things from my past and really like, you know, going back and being in my past a lot. And it's really weird for me because I'm, mm. I'm a very future focused guy. Naturally, like I'm always talking about what's coming. I'm never satisfied in the moment. Yeah. You know, I don't think I'm wired for like happiness as such. I'm that. always chasing. That. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you're never, never really happy with anything you've done. It's no. not like you're unhappy with it either, no. but it's never good enough. Yeah, that's it. It's never enough. And I don't think, and I've got such bad imposter syndrome as well, mm. like that I actually think everything I I do is terrible mm. until somebody tells me that it's not, mm. <laughs> which is, and I don't really think that like I'm being dramatic in the moment, but, um, you know, there's always that part of me that's that. And so mm. for me, you know, it, it was, yeah, making this album, you know, and like, Sure, Beautiful is a really poppy song. The Rescue's got like a really uplifting sort of vibe to it as well. But I'll tell you, there's some really dark tracks on this album and there's mm. some stuff where I get, you know, there's some stuff that's going to be hard for me to get up there and sing um, because yeah. it really sort of awakens, you know, some pain or some, you know, it, and even if it's not literal pain in the story, it's just the themes that I'm talking about and the, you know, the area that I'm playing in mm. um, with those lyrics, it's, you know, it hurts. Um, but I but I feel like I've created some of my best work in that space. Um, I'm really proud that I was bold enough to go there and mm. sit in my shit, yeah. you know, to be able to, to pull this stuff out. Yeah. I think it was Trent Reznor. I saw him. It was a quote in a magazine I read. It's like he, I'm going to. I can't remember it exactly, but it, basically he takes himself to the depths of his own shit so other people uh, can then listen to it and relate to it and uh, so- something like that. So he basically sacrifices himself and his own mental well-being to create this piece of music for for everyone else to listen to, basically. I love that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Trent- I'll have to find a- that quote because Tr- it was yeah, really good. Yeah, please do. Like, Trent's- a- a- an absolute genius. Mm. Um, you know, I've always been a massive Nine Inch Nails fan as well. And, you know, his production work on Marilyn Manson, mechanic, uh, not mechanical, the Antichrist superstar. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that, that, that album scared the shit out of me yeah. when I was a teenager. I loved oh, it man, so much. Man, I used much. to be scared of Manson too. Yeah, scary. It freaked the shit out of me. Yeah, like, you know, you're 13, 14 and- I was older than that. (laughs) Yeah, or that that album cover, like, and then I remember seeing the video for Sweet Dreams on Mm -hmm. Rage, like, late one night when Mm -hmm. I was, you know, up watching the footy and then after the footy, you just flick over to ABC and Rage is on. I remember thinking with that frigging thing on his head and stuff, Mm -hmm. and I was like- Wow, this is scary, but this is so cool. Who's this Marilyn Manson? I remember, like, jumping on my mum's- laptop to go on the internet back like you know when the internet you didn't have a lot of images yep. and it was just all text i'm reading all about you know like cutting himself on stage and all that stuff and i was just like removing ribs did yeah, you read that yeah, one? i read all yeah. of that and i was like oh this is cool i gotta yeah. get this album yeah <laughs> and it's a great album and yeah it like is. he scared yep. the shit out of me too yeah but he, his imagery was so good and i oh, think yeah. i think it was billy corgan might have said he was like an A-grade visual artist, mm. Manson. And the right thing at the right time. Yeah. And it was truly d- dangerous and it had mystery and mm. mis- mystique. I mean, these days with the internet, like, there's none of that. Exactly. You know, like, everything's out there. Yeah. And it's a bit of a lost art. Um, you yeah. know, like, I used to love that I was scared of Marilyn Manson. I didn't know much about mm. 
what it would be like to see him live, you know, because I'm th- just hearing all this stuff. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me, I was watching, um, oh, what is this? What, that metal a Headbangers Journey, maybe? Or like one of those metal docos that yep. that guy, can't remember his name, but he's a good filmmaker. He's done some good docos. And um, I think it was like he was ta- when he was interviewing King Diamond, um, he was saying when he was a young kid and he first got the Merciful Fate album, mm. on the first Merciful Fate album on the back cover, you got pictures of the band members, but you can't see King Diamond. He's just a shadow, like a silhouette. Yeah. And then when people would go and see them live and King Diamond comes out with his full face paint, you know, like the corpse paint, that you know, he was really the first one to kind of do that. Um, you know, like people were just like far out. Yeah. This guy like, you know, is what is he like? It's demon and all these rumors about him, you know, being, yeah. you know, like some Satanist or a cultist or, you know, something like that. And mm. um, I just think all that mystery and mystique, that was yeah. so cool when I was growing up and it made things so much more powerful. Whereas, you know, you, you don't really get that nowadays. It's all out there. No, you know, all these, um, I think, yeah, it's definitely the internet that kind of killed mm. the mystery. And, yeah. you know, all the artists have got, you know, Instagrams and stuff. Yeah. And not all of them, but and yeah. not all of them use it as heavily as some do, but mm. kind of took away the mystery. And I, I remember that too. You know, it wasn't easy just to, well, you couldn't just pull up YouTube. No. I remember getting into like, you know, Skid Row and Motley Crue. Yeah, and, I love all that stuff too. I had to go searching for VHS yeah. live tapes, yeah. get them from overseas sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. now it's all on YouTube, which is great too, but yeah. there was a real mystery to it and made you, made you really hungry- to get more, totally to see them, you know, to see what they look like and yeah. see how they stood when they played and all this sort of stuff, and especially if you'd read books, yeah, that's right, you know, seen seen a still image, yeah, yeah, it was cra- it was a really simple thing, but yeah, it's kind of not like that now. No, it's not. Um, but yeah, Motley Crue is a good example. Like that's one of the. Yeah the early bands that I really connected with as well. I remember like I used to get up as like a five or six year old and just watch Rage, Mm. you know, on a Saturday morning. And, you know, that was like late eighties, early nineties. So it was like, you know, like Alice Cooper and Motley Crue and Bon Jovi and all that stuff. And I remember just Motley Crue, I think it was the Dr. Feelgood video and there's this fire and the big hair and the leather (laughs) and stuff. I was like, this is frigging cool, man. Like whatever this is, like sign me up. Like it sounds kind of like what my dad played as far as it had like the big you know heavy guitars like deep purple mm. would have but you know it was like next level you know it was this crunchy big sound and you know that that drum sound on Motley Crue Dr. Mm. Fielder that's just massive you know and you can hear that like the uh you can hear the influence in that drum sound on Metallica Black Album. oh yeah and Metallica would never like to admit it but I heard an yeah. interview with Bob Rock once um he was saying when uh when he started working with Metallica, Lars actually said, he's like, look, I love the drum sound. You put on Molly yep. Cruz last album. <clears throat> Can we do something like that? Yep. You know, but Lars would never admit that. Cause yeah. you know, like the, the thrash guys yeah. like, and the glam guys were, you know, <laughs> polar opposites. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was watching, well, we my partner, Tahani, we were watching a, a metal doco, a thrash metal doco. I think it's on Amazon prime. Mm. And that whole Metallica and Motley Crue thing came up, yeah. which kind of reminded me of the rivalry. You know, the yeah. rivalry, yeah. and then yeah, sort of, you know, Doctor Feelgood was a big influence of the the Black Album. Yeah, and so it's kind of funny how that works. Yeah, <laughs> it is, and like, and it's it was an innovative um, drum sound because yeah. you had like, um, and the, where that came from in the same interview with Bob Rock, he was talking about it that Tommy sort of came to him. 
and uh, he was listening to a lot of the rap music that, mm. and the hip hop that was coming out in the eighties, and like Two Live Crew and Public Enemy and stuff. And they're saying they got this big thunderous kick drum yeah. that's just like punchy. Yeah. Um, how do we get that? Like, how do we get that sound? You know, so it's this big bassy sort of thing because before that hard rock had a tinnier sort of you know it was like it's tinny kind of like harsh metallic sort of sound mm. in the in the 80s um and i think that was the first album where it was just this real big bottom end yeah you know and it still had all those like big reverbs and stuff that were characteristic of the 80s recordings but just had a huge kick drum and the bass locked into the kick drum it's yeah. a great sounding album still sounds great to this day i play yeah, at the gym sometimes fantastic album and had a really good groove to it as yep, well like tommy totally. had a really good groove i love his drumming it's yeah. really simple but it's just like yeah. you know and his personality and his playing i think that that you know that like pays for a lot really like yep. yeah he's he's not you know gonna do all this like crazy you know uh mike portnoy type yeah neil pert stuff but he doesn't need to because no. he just lays it down He's just got a really good energy and like yep. you said, yeah, his personality comes out and he's playing and Yeah. I always yeah. love those bands where like yeah. each member is, you know, like their own personality yeah. and they're all as important as each other, like yeah. the Beatles and yep. you know, um you know, Led Zeppelin as well, mm. definitely like that. You know, they've all they all kind of they're a star in their own right. It's yeah. not just like you got the singer that's the star and then the rest of the supporting cast. Yeah. Always love that Guns N' Roses in their yeah. day. Yeah. Yep. And together as a unit, yeah, they form like Dare I say the perfect band. Super group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you sort of can't pre-plan that sort of thing, I don't think, you know. No, like, it just not all bands are like that. You look at it, take a band like Foreigner that's yeah. had so many hits. Like you hit, you know, most per- people that you pull off the street, you're like, they're going to be able to, like you play them Foreigner's biggest hits, Cold As Ice, I Want to Know What Love Is, all that. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course we know these songs. They're great songs. We love them. Yeah. But like, Ask them to name members of the band, and they're going like, I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't do it. No, nah, like but, most people couldn't. Like they no. know the songs because they will be yeah. hits, and that's why Foreigner now they actually tour with no original members of the band. Oh. But their guitarist, who's the last remaining member of the band, he comes out and plays with them once in a while. But he's old and doesn't want to tour. Yeah, uh, but he still owns the rights to the name. He's still making money off it when they go out and tour. Mm. Um, but people don't mind with a band like Foreigner because they're hearing all these hits that sound exactly the same way that they were recorded, mm. but it's essentially a tribute band. Mm, interesting. Yeah, no one's really like cottoned on that that's, that's I what I didn't know is. that. But no. then, you know, if you took Mick Mars out of Motley Crue, people yeah. probably- well, they tried that with Tommy for a little yeah. while, didn't they? Yeah, and it's just not the same. It's not the same. But I think, like, as some of those legacy mm. rock bands that have been around since the 70s and 80s and stuff, as they start to get older and members, you know, like, start passing away and, and things like that, you know, eventually we might end up with bands that are actually, like, franchises and they <laughs> and they replace members until uh. you, you have no members original members left but the band franchise is still the officially endorsed franchise mm. like kiss could do that easily and they would do that they will i guarantee <laughs> you one day there'll be four members of kiss mm. that aren't the original members i guess with bon jovi as well you know richie's not in the band and <laughs> yeah that's right it's just john technically john is bon jovi I yeah guess, that's right from a business doesn't yeah, he mate. own the whole yeah he does and yeah. he pays them as employees yeah. yeah yeah they work for him yeah well, but you know, I'm I'm not. I probably wouldn't go see Bon Jovi again until I Richie wouldn't. comes back. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I did the last time. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have gone, but my wife really wanted to go. Yeah. But she even said after that gig, we're like, all right, we're not going to see them again. It was really awful. Yeah. Well, I think John's <laughs> sort of lost his 
lost his voice, hasn't he? Yeah, he just and he doesn't even try. He just sort of mm. phones it in. You know, I want to see a band go out there and, and work yeah. to capture the audience and he just doesn't feel like he needs to, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I mean, have you found, like, uh, your voice has changed much since you sort of started the hard rock to where you are now with, with your acoustic stuff? Like, is your voice changed yeah, a lot? It has and it hasn't. Like, um, I think still, and my point of difference in the the more folk sort of arena is... I've got this big voice that I can't help it. That's just what my voice sounds like. I've sung hard rock. I've mm. I've cut my teeth having to be heard through shitty PA systems <laughs> yeah. over really loud guitar amps. Yeah, yeah. So I developed a really loud, okay, like big sounding voice. Um, you know, that said, when I was younger, my voice was a lot thinner. If you listen to those early tear gas recordings, I sound like a chipmunk. You know, like <laughs> um, it's it was different. But like over the years, my voice has kind of deepened and yeah. thickened and that sort of thing. And you know, I feel like I'm a better singer than I've ever been. But yeah, just not. I'm not really throwing it as much like as when I'm doing the heavier stuff. It's just mm. a different, different tone, and and I'm actually singing with some dynamics. Whereas like yeah. with a metal song, it's just got to be loud all the time. Mm. Um, and I can I can get, jump behind a mic in the studio, and they'll say, "All right, Al, like let's hit record." And you know, like for those sorts of just like straight up hard rock, I can nail it in like a couple of takes. Usually it doesn't take much, you know, I just yeah. kind of dial it in because it's all one sound. Whereas these songs where there's dynamics and there's parts where my voice gets louder and parts mm. where it comes down really gentle and soft. Mm-hmm. You know, man, I did so many takes of every song vocally yeah. and I'm really hard on my own vocals. So when I was tracking my own vocals and I tracked all my own vocals on my own, yep. um, no, you know, no one was with me when I did it. I was in a dark room. Um, you know, I tried to sort of set the vibe and, you know, mm. get some candles going and, you know, get my galaxy light happening. So they've got like stars and stuff oh, yeah, on the cool. roof and, you know, like maybe even put some pictures in front of me for inspiration and things like that. And, um, you know, I try and get into the mood as much as I could, but I was really critical of myself. Like mm. I'd make myself do it over and over. Um, that was the roughest part. That was mm. the part that wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, with the acoustic stuff, your voice is really on full yeah. display. You can't, oh, yeah. there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. I mean- Same with your guitar playing on an acoustic oh, guitar. Yeah. Compared yeah, to yeah. an electric, you got high yeah. gain <clears throat> and pickups, you know, you can flub a few notes and you're yeah. not going to notice it. Whereas on an acoustic, every little detail is there. Yeah, I mean, I found when I started doing the acoustic stuff, I really started to learn my voice a lot more. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, before that, it was just trying to get over the top of things. And um, it was a terrible way to learn how to sing and, you know. I think so too. Developed many bad habits. Yeah, same. Probably did some damage. Yeah, same. But once I picked up the acoustic and got more comfortable and more confident, you know, I just started to grow and really learn, you know, even with the guitar playing as well. Yeah, Yeah, and I've heard your stuff and, like, you know, your singing's, like, gorgeous. It's like, you know, and you do a lot of different things. Like you were just talking about, you know, you got some songs that are acoustic, but they're, like, they're leaning on that rockier side. So, you are throwing it a bit more and singing in a slightly higher register and that sort of thing. And then you got some stuff where you really take it back and it's really Mm. chilled and and gentle. And I think that's, like we were talking about, the space before and the sonic field. Like, a voice can really fill that out and and move with the dynamics in the song. The song breathes. You know, it's not just loud start to finish. I think you've got a really nice voice for the acoustic stuff because it's it's kind of well, it's a lot different to what you might normally hear as a folky voice. It's a rock voice. Yeah, and um, you can sort of hear that um, you've probably 
tone things down a little bit, but yeah. your voice is still filling out the space and it's a bit rough, but it's really nice. Yeah. And you've got melody and good songs. So I'm really looking forward to hearing the rest of the album, particularly the darker songs. Yeah, thanks, so, man. I'll, <laughs> um, I might shoot a little advanced uh, link your oh, way beautiful. so you can hear it. Yeah, but uh-huh. um, yeah, I can't wait to share it. There's definitely some some pretty dark moments on there. Mm. Yeah. You know, they're probably the ones I'll gravitate to. I think you will so, too. They're my favourites too. Should we um, give this... Give a give this mate and a bit of a strum yeah, and play, a, play song. a song for us. Yeah, and like I was saying to you off uh, <clears throat> off recording before, I usually play a bit more with my fingers, but um, I used to be I was a nail biter like my whole life until I started learning fingerstyle guitar. Yeah, and then basically, <laughs> uh, good way know, to stop. Yeah, it was because I was so motivated to learn that style, and so all of last year when I was really refining my chops to make this album. You know, I had good fingernails, like they're all shaped and, you know, I was looking after them. And then just on my honeymoon, I must have just been bored sitting around by the pool and yeah. just started like gnawing away at them again. So I'm back on the flat pick, um, okay. you know, this week, but that's <laughs> all right. Um, I'm going to grow them back and then I'll be back playing with my fingers again. All right. Cool. Um, I figure I'll just play the first single then. Yep. This is uh, beautiful. Um, first single off. Uh, my debut album, which uh, hopefully some of you have heard. If you haven't, you can check it out on all my socials. This is a little rough live version. Felt it once and then it stayed. We didn't mean to go that way. But the dancing flames of our two souls Just burn so warm and lost control Your eyes so green like verdant spring They changed my life, my everything I took your hand, we shared a love We'll never really fall out of We escape from reality Entwined in our own frequency And you know I'm always gonna love you just like you're mine You go and be beautiful Be everything you are to me All the words I told you to believe Oh yeah, I wanna see I swear with pride you shine so bright Your shadow fills my world with light And the colors I could never see I see them all when you look at me I know you had to make your choice And you'll always miss my words and my voice Your path's yours and mine is mine Together or apart I just want you to shine I send you my love every single day If this is what you want, I won't stand in your way But just promise me you're always gonna take on this world You go out and be beautiful Be everything you are to me All the words I told you to
eyes and I wanna see you shine I won't be there beside you but search for me inside Open hearts and we tell to roam My arms around you feel like home Still enamored, still immersed We'll leave this one to the universe To the universe Thank you very much. Thank you. There we go. Perfect. Yeah, that's good. Thank you very much. Exclusive Fox on the Wire performance. Woo-hoo. There we go. Awesome. Well, I've never played it live in front of a live audience yet, so. <laughs> All right. So you uh, you sort of nervous about getting out there and playing some of these songs, yeah, especially by yourself? Yeah, a little bit, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's a bit different than when you got you know three or four other guys up there with you, mm. you know, to kind of share the load. I'm nervous but excited. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be really intimate. It gives me an opportunity to really have people hear what I'm singing, and um, you know, for me to like, yeah, like as you've worked out from having a chat, I do really love a chat. So like, yeah. <laughs> it'd be good just to kind of be able to talk in between the songs and yeah. talk about the songs a little bit and, um, you know, really introduce people to my style and yeah. And look, it's like, it's not going to be for everyone. Like I don't have that sort of thinner, folkier, quieter sort of voice. Like it's a voice that people are going to get sort of bashed around the head with a little bit, but That's I think that'll, that. yeah, I think that'll be, you know, my point of difference in the genre um, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff in that genre that's, you know, it gets a bit samey, I think. As much as I love it, you know, the good stuff in the folk genre, I absolutely adore. But like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that gets lost in the mix and hopefully I can kind of make myself stand out a little bit. Are you, or do you know many other people or musicians that are in that sort of singer-songwriter, folky arena that I'm have get- come from hard rock like yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting to know a couple. Yeah, for sure. Like there's, there's definitely some guys in Australia that have come from those backgrounds. It's actually really interesting, you know, that a lot of the the folk artists and a lot of like the country artists in Australia, you know, a lot of them have come from rock backgrounds or mm. punk backgrounds and things like that. So it's interesting to note um, that, uh, yeah, there's like a heap, a heap of those guys. And there's uh, one artist that if I'm, I'm just going to my Spotify because she's just put out a new album, yeah, Tori Forsyth and the album, I can't pronounce the title. It's called Prov- <laughs> Provlepsis, I think it is. And okay. she'd have to uh, correct me on that. But I'm telling you, like, I only it only just came out uh, late last week or early this week even. Um, I think it's one of the best Australian releases in the last, um, 
in the last three years. Like she's just, she comes from like a, she's done sort of like more, you know, country, alt country, singer, songwriter, folk, but her new album's actually got like heaps of like grunge, hard rock sort mm. of elements to it. It's still like alt country and it's still, you know, but it's, it's bold and it's, it's different. And, you know, I find like in Australia, like, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of doing what's expected of them, I think, mm-hmm. musically and, you know, can get a bit stale, but she's really just so her authentic self on this album and her lyrics can be really grating and, you know, and, and I love that. Like, it's mm-hmm. really hard to listen to at times, but she's just being so frigging honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's inspiring to, to hear artists going out there and doing that. You know, some of my early feedback, uh, you know, I was hitting up some, you know, some PR agents and things and just starting to like, you know, get the word out and see if there's anyone out there to help me. And, you know, like some of the feedback I got was like, you know, look, your music's really good, but, you know, like some of your songs have swearing in it and like there's like drug references in a couple of your songs and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm just writing what, you know, like what felt right in that for that story and that sort of thing. Um, But I wasn't, I'm not going to like censor it. You know what Mm. I mean? Like I just have to write what's natural. And it's not anything like really like, you know, really dirty or really like bad or like crass or anything, Mm. you know, but like it's just, you know, there's a little bit of swearing and there's a little bit of like drug references and, you know, like I I haven't, you know, I'm, I hadn't really thought about, oh, I better clean it up for the clean audience, but I'm not going for that. I'm just going out there to be myself and yep. people that dig it will dig it and people that don't want to listen to it won't. Mm. So, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm and she's like that. this too, you know, she's yep. dropping F-bombs all over this album and I love it. Okay. Love it to death. I was listening to it at the gym this morning and, yeah. you know, I just absolutely floored me. I had to just sit there at some moments and just think, oh my God, it's so good. Uh, I'll have to get that. You uh, have to check it out. The name you, off you. Yeah. Will love it. Where yep. is she from? She's uh, I don't know somewhere in Australia, maybe Sydney or Brisbane. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure not Melbourne. Uh, okay. But her her new album, uh, like not not a great deal of Aussie albums have blown me away like that in yeah. recent years. But this one's just it's special. It's All really right. good. Cool. We'll check it out. Mm. And uh, what sort of aspect of the solo thing are you finding maybe the hardest or the most challenging? Whether it be probably not the writing or recording in your case, maybe the social media or just basically navigating everything yourself. Yeah, all that's um, hard, man. Because there's nothing to share yeah. with the drummer can do some stuff. No, that's right. Not that they ever did. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's basically all on you now to do everything and Pretty navigate much. it perfectly. What what are you finding the hardest? It's All that stuff is really hard. The social yeah. media thing, like the game's changed. Um, yeah. You know, I remember being 17, 18 years old and when we'd have a gig, we would like get in our, our uh, guitarist's car and we would go down to Ackland Street yeah. at like three in the morning and we would just like paper our flyers all the way down Ackland Street and, yep. you know, we'd do that in a few more places and then we'd play at the S.B. Gershwin room and there'd be 500 people in there. Yeah. You know, this is in the early <laughs> 2000s. And it seems like something from the 80s, but no, it wasn't no, that long ago. No, it wasn't. Like, yeah. the, the, you know, but we had crowds and mm. it was, that was how you got people there. You put it out in beat and, you know, and people yeah. would see it and then just word spread and there was a bit of a buzz around tear gas back then, which was, we were thankful for, but we were too young to really appreciate yeah. what we had. It was only later when I realized, yep. oh yeah, it's not normal to play in front of four or 500 
people a night when you're like a local act like we were. Yeah. Um, you know, we actually, in, in hindsight, we did really well and I'm yeah. proud of it now, but I wished I'd appreciate it more at the time. Cause I know what you mean, yeah. Because nowadays I'm realizing, you know, like people don't go to shows like they used to. Yeah. Um, you have to be able to have good, engaging content that people can digest easily by mm. sitting on their ass on their phone, basically. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's, uh, and that's been hard cause I've, I'm, it's trial and error, man. Like I'm, uh, I'm trying to do the social media thing. I'm reading tutorials. I'm getting some guidance from friends that, that know their stuff with it, yep. you know, about having a release strategy and <laughs> make sure <laughs> all you the post- information's there for us in videos, yeah. countless or endless videos yeah. and tutorials, but to, to take it all in yeah. and put it into practice for Totally. It's really hard. And networking, like you really yeah. have to put a lot of time into like messaging people and, yeah. you know, other artists or other fans, like when, when somebody adds you and, you know, like you really got to make the effort to engage yeah. with them one-on-one, I think. Um, and, and that's something I enjoy doing. Like I've actually really loved that. Like I've met a lot of new friends um, through that, through, through social media, like in the warm up, and you know, people that are now following me and supporting mm. me and that sort of thing. And I think that's just the new way that I have to embrace. Yeah. Um, and there's, it's hopefully going to go to another level when I can get out and play some gigs, not just in Melbourne, but if I can get into state and do some support slots and, and really just get out there and get in front of people. But yeah. I think these days, the big thing that's that's the change obviously social media to put it like at a rudimentary level that's a big change Mm. in the landscape but people want the relationship with you now Mm. um they want to know who you are they want to know not just what your songs are about and what you what you look like but they (laughs) want to know like all right what are you getting up to on the weekend all right you just did a a, a workout you just ate dinner here you you know and you don't want to share all that sometimes that's like sometimes yeah and it takes it goes takes us back to what we were talking about before with the whole mystery thing yeah yeah, there's none of that. Yeah, and it's everything kind about of your lives. totally flipped. You got to yeah. have everything. You don't have to, but yeah, yeah, like you said, people want to. People That's right. Know. Like my Instagram's my personal Instagram, you know, and I happen mm. it's primarily music because that's what I what I use it for. But mm. you know, I put my wedding photos on there and yeah. um I love to cook. I used to do barbecue comps for a long time and stuff and I'll oh, yeah. you know I'll I'll throw together a really, you know, really nice brisket once in a while and I'll that's post nice that. to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, throw a brisket on the smoker and I, I still love to share that and mm. you know and in my stories, whatever I'm up to and that sort of thing. But yeah, a lot of it's trial and error. I'm trying mm. to run a few Q and A's once in a while and yeah. did one yeah yesterday and that went better than the first one and so i'm yeah. just learning things as i go along and yep you know we'll just see how we go and just gradually you know yeah it's hard though yeah like you know yeah. no, i don't think anyone really knows but i think at the end of the day you got to have content that people are interested in yeah if you make shitty content no one's really going to connect with it but if you make good stuff and you make every effort to get it in front of people and spread it then yeah people will come are you on tiktok no, I'm not actually. Mm. People are saying that I should be. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm too old for TikTok. It seems to be all the youngsters. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, I was talking to, um, uh, there's a band in Canada that I've had on the show a couple of times yep. called The Carbons. Yep. Um, they're really on top of all this sort of stuff. Sure. I reckon TikTok's where it's at. And yeah. And like the video that they sort of save from that, um, they upload to the, the reels on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they do really good sort of video content and yeah. have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I got to look into that because I've seen lots of those yeah. TikTok, like, you know, performances, you know, like artists that do little performances on TikTok yeah. and things like that. But, yeah, I haven't I haven't delved <laughs> yeah. into that. It's hard enough just doing an Instagram and a YouTube and a Facebook. And, yeah. Mm, yeah, I find, like, you've really got to be always like this. 
It's too, yeah. too much of that. And that's yeah. kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit too shy or something for too much of that. Yep, I get you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm liking that aspect of it, to be honest. But that said, it does get a bit exhausting. Mm. Um, and to, you know, make like this much progress uh, as far as, you know, finding new followers and then keeping them engaged, mm. you know, you really have to work hard yeah. to talk to them and respond to every comment and yeah. all that sort of stuff. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a big job. Yeah. And, you know, like I'd be lying if I said it's not like, you know, I can see why people talk about people being addicted to their devices mm. and dependent on their devices because, you know, like sometimes I feel a bit funny if my phone's not in reach and, yeah. you know, I know I've posted something and I want to see who's commented on it and stuff and, you know, like, and I start to feel that myself and then when I get some nice comments, it's like this, like, it's like a drug. <gasps> yeah, it's like this, it's, it's, like a, yeah. a, it's like a drug addiction or something sometimes. Mm. So, I get it. Like, I get where all that's coming from yeah. and sometimes I have to really just like try and disconnect myself from it and go for a really long walk and not look at my phone and just listen to music and, mm. you know, that sort of thing. I try to meditate like pretty regularly and just not look at it for a while and just think yeah. and be alone with my thoughts. But it's hard in this day and age. Everyone's like yeah. got their devices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it is really cool that we can talk one-on-one, -on -one, but depending on how you live your life and how much sort of, time you've got to engage with all that it's it can be really challenging and i find mm. that i don't have that time to really dive into the phone and yeah um which is a bummer because i'd really like to do more of that mm. but um sort of any spare time i get is maybe doing something like this which is great you know one-on-one awesome. on one. Yeah. i love it or i'm just locking myself in a room and writing some songs which is yeah really all I want to do at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, like, yeah, I, I get you, man. Mm. And um, yeah, it's it's like, I guess, because I've done it in like a phased approach. So when I was writing the album and recording it, I wasn't doing anything social media wise, really like just normal stuff, you know? So that yeah. was all going on in the background. I wasn't focused on it at all. Whereas now that the album's done, I haven't really written anything new since mm. I've finished the album and now I'm just focusing on trying to build my brand and promote it. Um, you know, that said, I've written little bits and pieces and I just record them into the phone. I've got my little notepad, yep. you know, in the phone where I write down lyric ideas that I have and it's like pages and pages of stuff. Yeah. And I put stuff in it nearly every day. Like I'll think of a line or a phrase or a word and I'm like, oh yeah, I got that, that'll be a good lyric. Yeah, you can't let it go. No, I never can. And even if I think of a melody or a song, if I'm at work or something, I like quickly just like run into the bathroom or into an <laughs> office yeah. and like just sing it into my phone so I don't forget it, yeah. you know. So I still do all that and I'm- yeah stockpiling for when it comes time to do another album but i think you know i'm probably best to just kind of park all that focus on releasing this album and building you know building some content and building my profile a bit absolutely well i think you're doing a great job Thanks, and man. um releasing some really great stuff thank you looking forward to the album yeah, yeah um speaking of social media where can we all find you sure uh instagram is probably where i'm most active at the moment so yeah. it's just at algami music yeah. Um, you can visit my website as well, which is just algami.com. Nice yep. and simple, just my name. Um, on the Facebook, on the YouTube, all that stuff. But if you go to algami.com, there will be links to all that. But yeah, if you want to connect with me, I'm very active 
on Instagram. I yep. will respond to comments, DMs, all that stuff. I'm trying to get con- content uh, up there every day or two at least and stay connected. Cool. That's what everyone does these days. That's what the kids want. Yes. <laughs> well, it's been great to have you on the show. It's been a pleasure, man. Absolute pleasure to meet you and um, hopefully we can share some gigs. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. This year, if everything goes well. I think we will, yeah. Like yeah. 100%, we've got to like, you know, do a night where, you know, we- we get like a bunch of uh, solo acoustic artists, yep. you know, just to do their thing. And then we could even do a couple of songs together, like some yeah. cover tunes and, you know, and get some different people coming and going, doing different parts. Like I would love to do a night like that. Um, I'd love to like watch a night like that, you know, mm. like to be in the audience and just kind of chill and have a couple of whiskeys and, yeah. you know, and just like listen to some like good stories, you know, and like yeah. some really nice tunes. Well, I think we should uh, take our matins on sh- on stage one night, show yeah, them yeah. off, and yeah, it'd be great to do some songs together. Actually, we don't. Yeah. I think we all do that enough. I agree. Yeah, you know, I've said that before, but you know, I always liked when my favorite artists or bands jumped up on stage with, with each other and, yeah, and played together. That was the best thing. Yeah, it's I like, agree. Like you, you don't you don't see a great deal of it these nah. days. Um, I love that too, and I yeah. love duets, and that's why. Like on this song, on this album, there's like four songs that feature another singer because like you know i could over overdub my own harmonies if i wanted yeah. but it just doesn't have the same thing as having another singer on there you're adding mm. another tonal quality yeah into the mix and it's it's beautiful and i love singing with other people and yeah i love just being able to sit and play the guitar while someone else sings yeah. and vice versa have someone play while i just sing and it's great yeah awesome mm. well thank you again al and uh we look forward to the album thank you I'll chuck some links in the show notes Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you. And uh, we'll have more episodes coming soon. And uh, take care in the next few days. Hopefully, we don't get locked down again. And, <laughs> well, anyway. to, to be seen. Yeah. And congratulations on getting married. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks Thank for you. tuning in. Thanks, Al. And uh, we'll catch you again soon. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.